It is so nice to be uh, back in a full house. The holidays are over. Um, I told the first service that now that the holidays are over, uh, I spent most of my time making little intro jokes about Christmas or New Year's, and now I have nothing. So welcome to January 13. It's a good year. It's a good day, and we're going to talk about Jesus. Uh, if, you, if, uh, if I haven't met you yet, uh, my name is Cody Wason, and I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch. So glad you're here with us, excited to uh, continue our series called We the Kingdom. Uh, last week, we started off 2019 by launching into a series, uh, basically talking about what does it mean to be a part of the kingdom of God, and, and, and uh, just identifying that to be a part of the kingdom of God means that we live a little differently, that we do things a little differently. Uh, and uh, we're going to spend the next eight or nine weeks talking about some of the core uh, principles, DNA, values, whatever word you want to stick in there, of what it means to be, <clears throat> to be kingdom people. And uh, I'm really excited about where we're going tonight, but before I jump in, I want to make a little announcement, a little promo. Uh, next week, um, hopefully you come back, even though you're about to find out what we're going to talk about. Uh, I don't think you're here for the mystery. Uh, anyways, <laughs> uh, Next week, I'm going to talk about um, what it means in the kingdom that we get to spend time with Jesus. Uh, and from that place, why do we do it? Maybe you've heard that phrase around the church life or around Antioch, spending time with God, spending time with Jesus. Well, we're going to dig in on what is, what is it, why do we do it, why does it matter? Um, and I don't know uh, about you, uh, but when I started learning about that, that concept, it was like, oh, cool, okay, devotional life. Uh, I kind of get it, but I really didn't know what it meant or how to do it. And so what we're going to do is Monday through Wednesday, uh, not tomorrow, but of the following, so January 21st, 23rd, uh, we're going to open up our church offices in the morning. We're going to spend time with God together. Uh, and so we're gonna, it's just going to be a time for you to come and, and bring your Bible, bring your journal. We're going to worship. We're gonna, and the different staff person every day is just kind of going to walk us through, hey, when I spend time with Jesus, this is what it looks like for me, and we're going to do it together. Uh, and hopefully equip us all a little bit, put some tools in our tool belt of how we can go back into our daily lives and have that devotional life, have that time with Jesus. So I tell you all these things um, because I'm excited about it. And because who knows, maybe your 6.30 a.m.s are really fought over, and I wanted to make sure you blocked them out uh, to come up to the offices and spend time with, with God with us. You'll hear, we're going to promo this. We'll, you'll, you'll see it on our social media, uh, and, and we'll promo it uh, next week as well. Okay, so now, this week, we are talking about one of the most essential, powerful, at times confusing and at times controversial aspects of living the kingdom. We're talking about what it looks like as kingdom people to do life in relationship with the Holy Spirit. And even as I say the word Holy Spirit, some of you nod, some of you smile, some of you are wondering how, like, how quickly you can get to the door. If you've been around church life, this can be a divisive topic, and we're going to talk about why uh, throughout the message. Uh, but tonight, my goal, my prayer is that we would learn a little bit that our watermark for the biblical, uh, who the Holy Spirit is, what He does, what His purpose is, and how that affects our life, that we'd all have a little bit more uh, understanding and biblical knowledge, because this is a truth and a DNA piece that is transformational, that 
And, we'll, and hopefully as I walk through it, we will start to uncover that this isn't just a tool for your tool belt. This isn't just, oh, cool, I, here's what my church believes about it, but that this would be a life-changing, life-transforming truth that we can walk in daily. And if you don't believe me that it's really important, some of you might know the name uh, Billy Graham. Anybody know the name Billy Graham? Okay, I did this in the last class. Or class. I'm not a teacher. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, I am not a teacher. Why? That's D school, I guess. Okay. Um, okay, for those of you that have heard of Billy Graham, how many of you have actually like listened to a full sermon by Billy Graham? Okay, and of you, how many have actually been somewhere, seen him in the flesh, listened to him in person? Billy Graham. Let's go. There's like four of you. Cool. Um, for those of you that are like, who in the world is Billy Graham? Billy Graham, one of the, uh, the most famous influential, influential evangelists um, uh, of our time in, in America. He traveled the world hosting conferences, hosting revivals. I mean, we're talking packed out football stadiums. People, just when he spoke, there was something different on it. People responded. He was a great man of God. And in 1983, he found himself in lovely Sacramento, California. Anybody from Sacramento? I just, I like asking questions. There's a couple people. hey Okay. You should meet you in the white and you in the other color that I can't see. Okay. <laughs> Billy Graham, 1983, Sacramento. Here's what he started off his message with. It's impossible to understand the Bible, Christian living, or the structure of the church without understanding something of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. It is impossible to understand the Bible, Christian living, or the structure of the church without understanding something of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. This is an essential topic for us. And as I, as I talk tonight, uh, and as I look out over a, a really full room, which is awesome, most of us would fall into three camps when it comes to the Holy Spirit. You have a camp over here, just madly in love with the Spirit. Just give me all the gifts, all the fruit, all the things. Spirit, 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 I'm in. Over here, maybe, um, well, I'm a little, like, uh, when a little more uh, need to fit in how this works in my theology. Is, are the gifts alive today? I'm not sure how it fits into my walk, and I'm a little, mm, not sure. And then you have the middle, which would fall into the camp that I spent most of my life in. What are you talking about? I have no idea. In fact, it's even biblical. What are you talking about? When it comes to the Holy Spirit, it's biblical. Acts 19.2, Paul is talking to a bunch of recent people who just gave their life to Jesus, and he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. We have not heard that there is a Holy Spirit. What I find is that we just don't know. We just don't know enough. We've, it's either weirded us out or, or it's either weirded us out or it's become an obsession or we just don't know and so we don't know where to go and how it, we just, we, we just don't know. In fact, um, when we launched the church a couple years ago, I was the college pastor and uh, yeah, I think there's a few college students. You're welcome. We have a ministry. No, just kidding. Um, that's awful. I do not stand by that statement. Um, but we started. We started a life group, um, and it's grown, and it's awesome. And, and, but there was, um, uh, there was a college student who was involved, loving life, was getting just her life rocked. And, and um, 
But her family had some reservations. They had some pushback. Uh, They started finding out, oh, Antioch uh, believes in the Holy Spirit, and you guys are talking about the Holy Spirit. And and her family started to really, really push back. And and she was just like, hey, I'm falling more in love with Jesus. This is awesome. I'm loving it. And there was just some serious like, hey, we're not comfortable with you in this church. We're, we, we're, you know, we're not about the Holy Spirit, and that stuff is not what we're about, so we're not really comfortable with you being here. So I remember I had a, 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 like a coffee with her, and she was wrestling as, uh, through, like, what do I do? Like, my parents don't want me to be a part of Antioch, but I'm, like, becoming my own person, and I'm falling more in love with Jesus, and, but they're really, like, really staunchly opposed. And, and, um, and I was like, hey, what are, what's, like, what's something that they're really staunchly opposed to? And she said, well, they're just... For example, like, and, and for all of you that are about to freak out, you shouldn't, but I'll talk about it later, like the gift of tongues, like speaking in tongues. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, I get it. That's super weird. Um, like, I get it. I know. I get, okay. And I was like, hey, well, here's, here's, my, here's my offer, my challenge. Um, why don't, here's, the, here's the scripture. Here's the passages that talk about it. And I would really just encourage you to, to read them, to pray through them, to, to hear God, to just wrestle through it for yourself. And she looked at me and goes, it's in the Bible? I was like, well, we haven't been doing our job. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's in the Bible. And she's like, I had no idea. Like, I thought this was just some weird thing y'all did and talked about. And I was like, oh, it is weird. I get it. And, like, we can push through the weirdness. But it's biblical. It's in the Bible. And her whole paradigm shifted. She was like, oh, it's in the Bible. And, like, it changed her and her whole outlook on it. People just don't know. We just don't know. And what we don't know freaks us out and it scares us. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to dive into who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? What's his purpose? And how does it affect us? You ready? Okay, let's go. Um, Just so you know, I told the last, um, not class, service, um, there's a lot. uh, I I won't do this every time. I do encourage you, if you have a a way to take some sort of notes, I would encourage you to take that out. I'm going to go over a lot of scriptures tonight. Um, and I think it would be helpful for you if this is something that you want to dig more in on, pray through, research, go to God, um, to have all the passages that you can take um, that we're going to talk about tonight, and, and it's always good to take notes. So I'll give you guys a second while I get my notes out. Now it really does feel like a class. Um, I'm going to throw that. Okay. Here we go. One of, the, one of the first things that we're going to address is who is he? Who is the Holy Spirit? There's, this, there's a lot of streams of thought, and it's really easy to get caught up in, well, this is just a New Testament thing, and this is not like the sound biblical doctrine of the Old Testament carrying through, and this is, a, this is an evangelical thing or a denominational thing or a charismatic thing, and we have to realize and address that this is a biblical uh, concept, that the, that, that the person of the Holy Spirit is not just a New Testament idea or a recent phenomenon that people have started engaging with. In fact, I can't think of, I can't go any further back than Genesis 1.1. There's nothing before that, so we'll start there. Genesis 1.1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, as He would be identified as, has been there from the beginning. He had an active role in creation. He is not just show up on the scene in the New Testament or the Gospels. He actually is referenced, the Spirit of God is referenced in the Old Testament 400 times. 
That's, yeah, wow. <laughs> so I just can't emphasize enough. People will push buttons and say, well, the whole, oh, this whole Holy Spirit thing. And it's like, 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 where do you find that? Like, you just turn, open your Bible, you probably found it. It's there. The Spirit of God is in the, from the beginning. He is there. He's eternal. He's an equal part of the Trinity. So we have um, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. These are uh, addressed in a number of passages. Two of them I'll give you tonight. Uh, I love this one. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. What an illustration of the Trinity. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Grace of Jesus, love of God, fellowship of the Spirit be with you. Matthew uh, 28, 18 through 20, it's the Great Commission. We talked about it as, at the end of the year. It's not going to be on the screen. I forgot to put that in there. Sorry. So just, you just have to, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Baptize them, all the nations, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is an equal part of the Trinity. He, we like to put him because we're humans and what we, what we don't fully understand, we like to put in a box. So we put the box around the Holy Spirit, put him in the corner. That's the weird uncle of the Trinity. Let's just not talk to him. Don't look at him because we don't know what's going to happen. We can't control him. And people get weird around him, so let's just avoid it. And, and we just like to put him a little, just a little under. Just a little under God and Jesus and the... He's an equal part of the Trinity. He has the equal authority and reverence and holiness of the Trinity. Now, you've probably picked up on, I am referring to him as a he. He is a he. Now, this I will, I will talk about. There are uh, basically two streams of thought on this. And so here we go. <clears throat> when you start to study the words used in the Old Testament and the word used in the New Testament to describe the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> sometimes it's used uh, in the neutral. Sometimes it's used, most of the time it is, is in the masculine. I believe even one time it's in the feminine. So what you have is this, this overarching like, hey, as we translate the Bible, as we look at these words, is it an it or is it a he? Here's what I want to focus on. I, 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 for the sake of you just knowing, I believe he is a he. I believe he is a person just like the Trinity. Why do I believe that? I believe that because, first off, as we read through Scripture, the, the, a lot, most of the translated um, uh, um, version of the Bible that we read uh, refer to him as a he. Now, I get it. There's some, there's some places that it says it. And it's like, uh-oh, there, what about that? I'm like, I don't know. Okay, so what do we do with that? But here we have to get to the heart of the fact that um, in Ephesians 4.30, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. It's really hard for me to grieve my car or to grieve a tree. I just, I, I, I have a hard time grieving, hurting. Uh, um, I, I wish I had the full definition of grieve in front of me right now. But you get it. It's hard to do that to an inanimate object, to an it. And then when you start reading some of these passages, that is uh, that in John, Jesus speaks to him, John 14, 25 through 26. Jesus is speaking, and he says in verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said. And in John 14, 
15 through 17. Jesus again is speaking, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So when I look at the, just in the totality, he's referred to as a he an awful lot, and we can grieve him, and he has a will, and, he has, and we, can, we can go against what he wants. To me, it's speaking of some sort of a person. And, and I know that this kind of, we can start going all down weird rabbit trails. And this, here's the bottom line. He's personal. If you want to refer to him as it, I'm not going to get all, like, bothered by it. If you want to refer to him as he, great. So will I for the rest of this message. But the point is, he's personal. He's not ethereal. He's not just some weird cloud or some feeling or some unknown, I don't understand. There's, there's this aspect in Scripture that there's a personal connection between the Holy Spirit and between us. And he's a part of the Trinity, and there's all this relational dynamics happening. So if you take nothing else away from this, you can go do your own research and decide he's an it. Go for it. But he's personal. And we've been invited to a relationship with him. We're going to get into that. All right, let's recap. He's been there from the beginning. He's an equal part of the Trinity. And he's personal. There's a personal aspect to the Holy Spirit, which we're going to talk about. All right, now let's talk about what does he do? So let's go to the Old Testament. Anybody like an Old Testament Hebrew person, scholar, speaker? Praise God. Okay. Um, because this word, from what I heard and when I studied, you have to use a lot of phlegm when you say this word. Um, yes, that is phlegm, whoever did it. So in the Old Testament, the word, the Hebrew word used for the Holy Spirit was ruach. For, my, for the sake of my sanity, I'll just say ruach. Ruach, and ruach means spirit or wind or breath. So when you look at the 400 uh, times in the Old Testament that this word ruach is used to describe the breath of God, as I, as I just think of it, the now of God. And you start looking through the pages of the Old Testament and the story of humanity unfolding, you see that the purpose in the Old Testament of the, of the Holy Spirit, He would be sent from, for, uh, by God as the breath, as the now of God. And he would come on people and empower and equip them to do certain things for the kingdom. He would come on certain people and empower them to lead uh, the people of God or to accomplish a, a task. For example, the, the ruach, the breath of God, fell on Joseph and allowed him to interpret the dreams of Pharaoh, that he might accomplish the will of God to free the people of God from the Egyptians. You have, throughout Scripture, you have the kings and leaders raised up and, 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 and brought down uh, and there's the Spirit of God on them. Saul, it says that the Spirit of God was on King Saul. But you can grieve the Holy Spirit. And it says that Saul grieved the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit departed from Saul. And who got the Holy Spirit after that? David. David says the Spirit fell on David, and his reputation was he was one that had the Spirit on him. So you see throughout the Old Testament this, these moments and these breaths of God coming. And if we were all Old Testament people, 
the people of God traveling throughout, you know, trying to get to the promised land, we would have known. It would have been something like our leaders, we would have said, oh, the Spirit's on them. The breath of God's on them. The, the Ruach is on him right now. He's leading us. He's speaking God's will. He's teaching us. The, 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 the Ruach, the breath would fall on a group of people called the prophets, and they would begin to promise and prophesy of what was to come. So the reality of the Old Testament is that the Spirit of God would come and, and land on people and equip and empower them to do God's will. But it was, it was breaths. It was moments. It was, it was not sustained. And that's what made what Ezekiel would say so revolutionary. Ezekiel was a prophet. And Ezekiel in chapter 36, 26, he's speaking prophetically through, uh, the, uh, from, the, from the, uh, the point of view of God. So this is God speaking through Ezekiel, saying, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This promise would have been revolutionary. The spirit wasn't just going to be moment or momentarily or for few. He was promising a reality where all of us would actually have the breath of God, the life of God inside of us to teach us, to show us, to remind us, to, to, to allow us to do the will of God. That's, a, that's good news. Because here we go. Jesus shows up on the scene. And in John 1, uh, John the Baptist is speaking and he says, Jesus was standing there and I saw like a dove the Holy Spirit descend on him and it remained. It remained. It wasn't for a moment. It stayed on Jesus. And Jesus begins to unfold this promise of Ezekiel. We read those passages to talk about the, the word he in the scripture, but let's read them again to look at Jesus promising us the Holy Spirit. We'll start in John 14, verses 15 and 17. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither knows him, uh, sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. Verse 25 to 26 these things I have spoken while I'm still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus is confirming the new paradigm, the new reality, that the Spirit of God has come to reside in us. And we're going to break down uh, the, the purpose and the function of the Holy Spirit, but let me just, there's a couple other verses you can write down to talk about this idea of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, in him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit to be a reminder, to be a, a guarantee of your inheritance. As sons and daughters of the king, we're called co-heirs of Christ. Our inheritance is the kingdom. Our inheritance is full access to the king. Our inheritance is heaven. And he's saying, when you believe, the Holy Spirit is deposited. Just a little, hey, here's what's to come. Here's, here's a reminder of who you are, your kingdom now. Here's a reminder 
When you don't, when you, when you, when you, when you don't know where to go, where's, what's up from down, here's a reminder. You're someone, you were purchased with a high price by the king. You have an inheritance in heaven. And you've been sealed. That's also good news. 1 Corinthians uh, 3, verse 16, really short and simple. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Just passage, that you write down Romans 8, 11. Um, I'm trying to think of other references. I'll, I'm going to keep going. I'll probably come back to it. Throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament, the new paradigm becomes a reality. We've been given the Holy Spirit, promised by Jesus, not just to come on us, for certain times, which happens, but to live inside of us, to have an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So now let's back it up. What's the, what's the big deal? What's he do? So he's inside of us. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will give you another helper to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. John 14, 25 but the help, or 26, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. So if, if ruach is the word in the Old Testament, the word in, in the New Testament, the Greek word is parakletos, parakletos, or klet, I don't know, kletos, just parakletos, kletos. When you dig in on what does this word mean at its root, it is a legal term for an advocate, counselor, and helper. So if we just look at what Jesus is promising, when Jesus was around doing ministry, when Jesus was in Jerusalem, he wasn't in Bethany. He wasn't in Samaria. He wasn't in, he, he was in one place. And he says, it's better for me that I go because the, God, uh, um, the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit to be with all of you forever. Not just momentary, not just in certain times and places, but forever. And what is he going to do? He's described as an advocate, a helper, a teacher. He's going to remind us in John 16, 8, he, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. And in Acts 1, 8, we have power through the Holy Spirit. I think we have Acts 1, 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit gives us power. He convicts us. Which Here, here pause real quick. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of our sin, which means it's not my job, and it's not your job. It's not in our job descriptions to convict other people of their sin. It's in one job description from heaven. That's for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, an advocate, a helper, a teacher to remind us, to convict us, and to bring power. That's what we've been given access to. That's why if you are, if you are here and like me for years, we're trying to do it on your own. You understood that you wanted to live well, like Jesus called you to live. You wanted to live holy. You wanted more freedom and more grace and peace and, and, and all the things that we're, we're desiring in our life with God. But if you do it on your own, it won't work. On our own power, we cannot give ourselves enough rules and enough boundaries and obey ourselves enough to follow uh, Jesus closely enough to have power over sin in our life. You can have momentary moments, uh, momentary moments of freedom. 
but it's not sustainable. It's not lasting. It's not a life of freedom if it's not with the power of the Holy Spirit. The church misses this all the time. We teach people what not to do, but we don't tell them who to do it with. If you're in the room tonight, we, we are invited and, and there's a mantle of, of calling and responsibility. If we're going to be witnesses, if we're going to have power to actually live a different way, to actually be salt in life, to have freedom over the sin cycles in our life that we can never get free of on our own, to, to walk in holiness and freedom, to have the fruit of the Spirit bear itself in our life, we have to do it with the Holy Spirit. We're fooling ourselves and convincing ourselves we're good enough. I don't, I can, if I just do more, just give me a, just give me some time, I'll get over this. Just give me a little bit more time, I can get through this. And we have these moments and these days and these weeks where we're like, look, I can do it. And it doesn't last. And God said, I know, I know it won't last. I know you can't do it on your own. That's the story of humanity. But I've given you the Holy Spirit to be your advocate, to be your helper, to remind you of Jesus. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would remind us of everything that Jesus taught. Here's how I look at that. It's going to remind me of what Jesus says about me. It's going to remind me who I am. When I look at my daughter, Eleanor, she's three and a half, and I'm, we're really working on her right now, that she, she's just learning what it means to lie. And I'll admit, the first time it happened, I was, I was like, oh, this is kind of cute. And then I was like, no, it's not. She's now, she knows, she understands lying. And she's, we're teaching her, hey, that's not who you are. You're not a liar. We, here's, here, we don't make little fibs. <laughs> we, don't, we don't manipulate the truth. We don't, we, we're honest. We're, we are honest people. We, we're honest before each other, before God. We don't hide things. But I don't do it in a way of, of hey, you're a liar. You got to stop. I just remind her, that's not who you are, Eleanor. You're not a liar. So, hey, let's talk about why we just lied, because you're not, that's not who you are. You're currently acting out of character and identity. We will be reminded, the Holy Spirit's job is to point us back to Jesus, to remind us, this is what Jesus says about you. This is your identity. I understand all the temptations of the world and all the things you're dealing with, but let you be reminded of who Jesus is. You can't remind yourself enough. You can't convict yourself. You don't have the power over sin yourself. You can't teach yourself enough and help yourself enough. We need the Holy Spirit if we're going to live lives that reflect the King. If we're going to live lives that reflect the heart of the King, we have to walk with the Holy Spirit. But here's where it gets weird. Here's where all that is like, wow, that's great. That sounds really, really good, and I could use some help, and wow, that's really biblical. Great job. And then we come across 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, and, and we just kind of want to put the Holy Spirit right back in the corner. I'm not going to really dig into this too much, but here it is, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. 
to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And there we go. Holy Spirit, you need to go back in the corner. Because I don't understand tongues. And I don't understand prophecy. And I don't understand the, what does utterance mean? Why don't you just, you know, say he says wisdom? Well, the, utter, the very word utterance just makes it weird. And, and, and we start looking at all these things. And what is, what is knowledge versus wisdom? And what's a gift of knowledge? And, and all these things. And we just get kind of caught up. And then there's probably those of us in the room that have been wounded by people who have done things in the name of the Spirit. And in the name of God, and they've weirded you out, and they've hurt you, and they've confused you, and I am so sorry. But here's where I have to land. We're not, as humans, going to get it right all the time. This is weird. I'm okay with weird if it's in the Bible. The moment we start being weird and it's not in the Bible, we've got some serious issues. And that's where some of that pain and hurt and confusion comes from. But if here's where the church has done for so long. Whether, whatever camp you're in, the camp of this stuff is weird, and I don't really understand how it fits in with my faith. And the camp over here that is like the weirder the better. Let's go. We miss, and we historically have missed, John 16, 13, and 14. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. There's a phrase in there, he will glorify me. Whether you're weirded out or don't know or you're intrigued and you want to press in or you're trying to fit all this into your theology, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. He's here. His purpose is to be our advocate and our helper and to point us back to Jesus, to teach us back to Jesus, to convict us back to Jesus, to give us power over sin that we may walk in the way Jesus called us to walk, that the gifts of the Spirit are for the good of the body that we may be reminded of Jesus. When we start elevating and worshiping the Spirit or the manifestations of the Spirit over Jesus, we're missing it. We, don't, we worship Jesus. The Holy Spirit is, a, is co-equal in the Trinity, and He has the power to point us back to Jesus. But when we start just focusing in on the gifts and making that what we worship, we're missing it because the Holy Spirit's here and the, to use the gifts to point us back to the one that gives the gifts. It's Jesus it's Jesus. It's Jesus. We have been invited, called to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we could walk out the life that Jesus has for us. That we could, uh, my, my old college pastor, his name's Carl, which we did give him a lot of um, mess for. There's not many college pastors named Carl in the world. Um, but he, he told a story about when he was being discipled and what it looked like to walk with the Holy Spirit. 
He said the guy discipling him challenged him and said, hey, what I do when I get in the car, every time I get in the car, I buckle the seatbelt and I put my hand out. And Carl's like, oh, this just got weird. And he's like, I put my hand out. And it's not because I actually think like someone's going to come hold my hand. It's because I want to train my heart. Holy Spirit, I want to walk with you really closely today. I want you to lead me. I'm about to go to work. I'm about to go to school. I'm about to get home. And I need you to guide me, to, to, to convict me, to, to, to allow me to walk in the Spirit. There's that phrase. I want to walk where the Spirit walks. And I don't want to do things that grieve you. I don't want to watch things that grieve you. When, I'm, when you're holding hands with the Holy Spirit and, and, and something nasty comes on TV, you're like, oh, gosh, that grieves the Holy Spirit. Because that's not what I'm called to, 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 to watch. It's not what I'm called to let myself uh, dwell on. And you start to, to say, to, to turn the channel. And it just became a lifestyle of, Jesus, uh, would, you, would, I, would I look at you today through the power of the Holy Spirit? Would I be reminded how to live, how to respond, how to talk, how to think? And it, it changes your life. That's why it's not just another tool. It's like, well, when I need it, I'll call on the Holy Spirit. We, we've been invited to daily Daily walk with the Holy Spirit. What a what a what a releasing thing. I can't I can't do it on my own. I want to share one last story to um, to close this out because I know so that's that that's my challenge for us uh, tonight as a church is that we would go from this place tomorrow morning. You'd wake up. And however you do devotionals, however you talk to God, however you spend time with God, that you invite the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I'm about to open the scripture. Would you teach me? Would you illuminate? Would there be fresh revelation? That's why the Bible is living and active, because every time you open it, you can say, Holy Spirit, what's new in there for me today? And you can have fresh times with God. You can worship and say, God, teach me how to worship. Teach me not just how to say the words, but what do the words mean? And how can they change my heart? So that's my challenge for us as a church, that we would go out and not start doing weird stuff, but that we would walk with the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, teach me today. Guide me. Help me. Convict me where I need to be convicted. And Lord, show me the way. Point me to Jesus and show me the way out. Give me the power to walk out. I'm going to save that story for another time. So here's how I want to end. <clears throat> I want to end with this. I just, I just gave us the call and the challenge to be a, a people, a kingdom who walk with the Holy Spirit. And you can start reading. I gave you all those passages. You can start digging in. The Bible says that we should earnestly desire the gifts. And that's for another series to talk about seeking the gifts and, 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 and desiring that we would walk in the gifts. But for right now, Jesus, help us be people who love you, who look at you, and who walk with the Holy Spirit to be reminded of who you are, who we are. Amen? Amen. Well, I wanna, I'm going to wrap up uh, like I do every week. If you're in the room tonight, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're losing all these passages, and we're talking about how it points us back to Jesus. Jesus is the one who died on the cross for you and me. He's the one that paid the ultimate price. If you're in the room tonight, and you don't know what it means to be part of the kingdom, or, or you don't know if you've given your life to Jesus, or you want to know more, you want... It said, the Bible says today is the day of salvation, that all you have to do is believe in your heart 
and believe enough to confess with your mouth that Jesus is who He says He is. And you'll be saved and you'll have the deposit of the Holy Spirit. So what I want to do is pray. If you guys want to bow your heads, if you're in the room, you're welcome to to, uh, pray with me out loud or in your own heart. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I'm tired of trying to be the Lord of my own life. I've tried for so long and it doesn't work. Jesus, I don't fully even understand everything, but I know I need you. I need you to come. I need the Holy Spirit to come and to to dwell in me and to point me to you. I believe you are who you say you are. You're the only way, the only truth, the only life. Jesus, would you come? Take, Take the reins. I give you my life. I give you everything. Amen.